Hello, and welcome to the Bridgetown Daily for Monday, March 8th. I'm Tristan Collins, and if we haven't met yet, I'm a therapist, life coach, and adjunct professor at Multnomah University. Over the past 15 years, I've been working with adults who want to heal from trauma. Here's one thing I've noticed that often gets overlooked. When people are dealing with psychological and or spiritual problems, the important role of our physical bodies often gets ignored. While emotions and thoughts might feel disconnected from our bodies, in reality, they are interconnected and can't be separated. If you have been around Bridgetown for a while, you have likely heard from the leadership that you don't just have a body, you are a body. This means that we aren't merely souls trapped in a body waiting to be released. Scripture reveals that our body is a crucial part of being human. God designed us as embodied creatures and views it as good. Here's what I've learned from Hebrew scholar Tim Mackey. The Hebrew word nefesh is often translated as soul. In modern English, the word soul is often loaded with meaning that comes from ancient Greek philosophy. The ancient Greeks viewed the soul as a non-physical entity trapped in a human body. In contrast, the Hebrew word nefesh doesn't imply a separation from our soul and body. Rather, the word nefesh is a way to talk about the whole person as the center of our embodied existence. The literal Hebrew translation of nefesh means throat. The word nefesh is a figure of speech called a synecdoche. This is a literary technique referring to a part of something to signify the whole thing. When the Bible refers to the throat, it's referring to our whole body. It's kind of like saying she has a green thumb when you're referring to a person who's good at gardening. Referring to someone's nefesh is referring to a human body. In Genesis 46, it says that there are 33 nefesh in Jacob's family, which means there were 33 people. This doesn't mean that we can't exist in some way apart from our bodies. The Bible does allude to this reality, but it's an exception. We were designed as embodied creatures, and the hope of the Bible is that we will be recreated with bodies in a renewed earth. The fact that God designed us as embodied creatures should not be quickly glossed over. The creator of the universe wanted to share power with us by making us in his image. God didn't choose angels or other spiritual beings, but instead made us out of flesh and blood, dirt and clay, biology and chemicals. Our task as God's image is to partner with God to bring order and beauty into this world, and God gave us our bodies to do this. Our bodies are the vehicle for the divine love of the universe to flow through. This is an amazing thought. God intentionally gave us our body to be a conduit of divine love. As wonderful as that is, we all have a complicated relationship with our bodies. When I was in elementary school, I already felt dissatisfied with the body God gave me. I'm Japanese American, and I really wanted to look like a Disney princess, like most girls my age. But in the 80s, they looked nothing like me. I wanted my hair to be blonde or brown and my eyes to be bigger. Or at the very least, I wanted to blend in and not stand out. I looked very different than most of my classmates in my predominantly white school. My mind was often preoccupied with ideas of how to look and act less Asian. I didn't like my body, and I wanted to change it into something else. As I got older, I started to feel less of a need to blend in, and I began to appreciate my physical differences. But now my struggle is with my aging body and trying to make peace with its limits. 
Everyone has experienced some variation of this, whether it's our face, our skin, our size, or the way our body moves. There's often some part of ourselves that we don't like. You can be the most beautiful celebrity and still dislike your body. Some of us feel shame about our body. When I was growing up, kids would use their fingers to pull out the outside corners of their eyes as their attempt to look Asian. Their eyes became distorted, small slits, and they looked so ugly. I wondered if this is how they saw me. I also remember a gross feeling in my stomach. I didn't have words for it then, but I do now. It was shame. A common response to feeling shame is to hide. But what if you have physical traits like different eyes, different skin, or any physical difference that you can't keep hidden? You might develop contempt or dislike for your body. Contempt for our bodies can develop for those among us who have been emotionally, physically, and sexually mistreated or abused by others. We begin to believe that our body is gross and the source of all our problems. Dislike or contempt with our bodies has consequences. One consequence is to mistreat our bodies. We can ignore our body when it's trying to tell us that it needs food, rest, or play. We can overexercise or starve ourselves to get thinner. We can allow people to treat our bodies with the same disregard or contempt that we have for ourselves. No one is immune. We are all trained to be dissatisfied with our bodies. Our society bombards us with advertising and messaging, triggering us to feel dissatisfied with who we are, so we'll buy whatever they're selling. We are sold the lie that if our body looks and functions a particular way, we will find happiness and love. We all have thoughts or experiences where we feel shame about our body. Find someone you trust to talk about your shame. When we expose shame to compassion, the lies loosen their hold. Whatever your current view might be about your body, remember this. God created you as an embodied creature and your body is the temple of God. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20 says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore glorify God with your body. If you've grown up in Christian culture, you may have been exposed to the scripture as a way to shame or create fear, so you behave according to the moral rules of your community. These verses aren't written to shame you into making yourself worthy of God's indwelling. It's not meant to categorize your body as either pure or impure. And God doesn't just dwell in the bodies of the morally righteous. God's indwelling is a gift for anyone to receive. We know that Jesus liked to dwell among prostitutes, crooks, and criminals because they were more aware of their need for him. The temple is not a club for the moral elite, but rather it's a sacred space to meet with God and for those who are poor and crushed in spirit. It's sacred, but not exclusive. Also, taking care of our body isn't a way to earn God's approval and love. God loves our nefesh, our body, just as it is. And God's love calls us towards his vision of human flourishing. Pastor Tim Keller says, God sees us as we are, loves us as we are, accepts us as we are, but by his grace, he does not leave us as we are. The Holy Spirit will transform us into the humans that we were created to be. This transformation brings freedom, power, and joy. A temple in scripture is a revered, sacred space. It was built with the most specific details and directions, 
with expensive finishes and the highest craftsmanship. And all of this intentionality was because the temple is the place where God meets with humans. The temple is where heaven meets earth. In Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he says something interesting, that your body is a temple. The you in this sentence is actually plural. All y'all's body is the temple. God's temple is made up of all different types of unique human bodies coming together as one. This means that God dwells in your body and he also dwells in us all as a diverse community of embodied creatures. It's important to remember the significance of our bodies so we can take care of it. One reason we have emotions is so we know what's going on in our bodies and can respond in a productive way. There is a mantra in Hindu that says, I honor the divinity that resides within me. This is also a beautiful mantra for our Christian faith because God's spirit resides within us. Our mantra can be, we honor God who resides within us all. Now let's talk about some ways to take care of our temple where God dwells. What I'm going to share isn't sensational or new information. It's old wisdom that is so familiar that it's easy to dismiss. And it's easy to forget about these practices when we're feeling anxious or really sad. So this is a reminder of three foundational practices to take care of your body. And these are especially important during difficult seasons in life. It's exercise, nutrition, and sleep. First, if you're able, exercise is so helpful. Our bodies need to move for well-being. Aerobic movement used to be just a part of our daily living, but modern life has created a very sedentary lifestyle. According to the American Heart Association, since 1950, sedentary jobs have increased to 83%. The problem isn't sitting itself, but the repercussions of moving too little. Most of us need to prioritize exercise in order to meet our body's daily need for movement. Hearing that exercise is important for well-being might feel like white noise to you, but when sadness, anger, or anxiety are the main feelings in your life, exercise is one of the best strategies to start with in managing those feelings. Daily aerobic exercise helps our brain and body to function properly. Randomized control trials reveal how exercise is just as effective as antidepressant medication for treating depression and anxiety. A study in Japan reveals that 15 minutes of biking is sufficient to increase activity in the part of our brain responsible for managing our emotions. And numerous studies reveal that exercise is good for our brain because it causes growth of new neurons. This pandemic is a great time to go on a walk or run outside or to have a dance party inside. This is really great if you have young kids. 15 minutes of an elevated heart rate can do wonders to help your brain to better regulate your emotions. But please don't hear this message as a way to shame you into exercising. There are challenging obstacles to exercise, and I want to highlight one in particular. It's important to acknowledge that depression and anxiety can become such a dominant force in our body that it can hinder our ability to function. Basic tasks like getting out of bed or taking a shower can feel overwhelming. So exercise can feel like a pipe dream. Antidepressant medication like selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, also known as SSRIs, can be vital and effective in helping to make depression and anxiety more manageable. So a person can function and eventually get to a place where exercise is possible. 
Sadly, in our society, and especially in Christian culture, there is shame and misinformation about antidepressant medication. Praise God for interventions that help us when our bodies are overwhelmed and stuck so we can make positive changes in our lives. Please hear that medication can save lives, and it's not a reflection of personal weakness or failure. Our bodies are vulnerable and fragile. Help comes in many forms. Nutrition is another foundational way to take care of our body. There's that old saying, you are what you eat. Remember the Hebrew word nefesh and how it literally means throat. What goes through our throat and into our body affects our well-being. In Portland, many of us are conscientious to eat organic and hormone-free food. We love to carry around our reusable water bottles to stay hydrated. But Portlanders are also known to consume a lot of coffee and alcohol, but we can overlook the negative effects on our physical and mental health. Socially accepted substances, like caffeine and alcohol, have a direct effect on increasing anxiety and depression, and it's important to partake mindfully and moderately. During the pandemic, my vice has been sugar. This might sound like a tame problem, but my blood sugar levels are very sensitive, and eating too much sugar can make me tired and grumpy to be around. Too much sugar creates chaos for my physical and mental health, but when I'm stressed, sugar-loaded treats is often what I'm tempted to reach for. Finding the balance with life's pleasures is a challenging task in our modern world where indulgence is just one click away. Finally, sleep. Sleep is another basic need for our healthy functioning. If you're not getting a consistent seven to nine hours of sleep, don't be surprised if your emotional and spiritual health are negatively impacted. Our quality of sleep is also affected by getting enough exercise and what we eat and drink. Be aware that alcohol might make it easy to fall asleep, but it disrupts and hinders our quality of sleep. Getting consistent quality sleep is key to managing the symptoms of both anxiety and depression. The amygdala is the part of our brain that plays an important role in mood disorders like anxiety and depression. The amygdala is known for its role in our instincts to fight, flee, or freeze as our response to threat. The lack of quality sleep can increase overactivity in our amygdala and therefore increasing the symptoms of anxiety and depression. Seek help if you have persistent sleep problems. Paying attention to our body's foundational needs for exercise, proper nutrition, and sleep is valuable for our physical health, and it's also important for our psychological, spiritual, and relational well-being. Let's take some time to reflect. Take a deep breath and exhale. And just notice, how does your body feel right now? Where do you notice discomfort, pain, or fatigue? Ask the Holy Spirit within you to reveal what your body needs. What would it look like to allow God's love to care for your body? Do you need help or support in receiving God's love into every part of your body? Let's pray. God, help us to see our body as a conduit of your divine love. Help us to make peace with our body. Where we are wounded, bring healing. Speak your love and truth to our fears. 
Help us to treat our body as a sacred space where you meet with us. Not as a way to earn approval, but as a way to receive and live from your love. It's shocking that you choose to dwell within us and that together we create your temple. May your presence ground us and guide us to your wisdom. We entrust our body to you. Amen.